When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. It's Purple Daily. Welcome in. It is time once again to talk some football. Purple Daily here on a Tuesday. Matthew Collar and Danny Cunningham is in for the first hour of the show. What's going on, Danny? Not much, Matthew. How are you today? Are you getting into football mode? I mean, I know you're just coming back from Summer League basketball. You're going to be off now from covering basketball for the most part. You've got the Twins. I know you like yourself a Twins game, but uh, come on. I mean, we're getting there. It's almost football time. Eh, for you, because you have to deal with training camp and you have to be at training camp practices every day. Football for me, I'll, I'll start getting into football mode in September. I'm getting close to vacation mode, Matthew. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. I really think, and I've learned this from studying our web clicks and our podcast downloads over the last few years, that for reporters... First day of camp, first couple of days, we get so jacked up. We write these big articles, camp previews. You got to read all of our stuff, everyone. It's camp, it's camp, it's camp. And football fans are like, oh, what? I'm at my cottage. Is there foot? What? Football? Oh, they're starting camp. I don't care. When mm-hmm. it really starts, when the interest really begins, is that first preseason game. Yeah, that's that's maybe, I mean, that I'll watch, obviously. I will be watching preseason football, but it's also like, uh, you know, whatever. Kind of wake me up the second Sunday in September. Okay, fair enough, fair enough uh, for you, the basketball reporter. But for everybody else who is getting jacked about football, we've got some good things to talk about here today on Purple Daily. And I want to start out, Danny, with an ESPN Insider article or is it ESPN Plus now? It's ESPN Plus. Aren't okay, you aren't ESPN you an Plus. ESPN Plus hockey writer too? You should know that. I know. I'm actually, by the way, I'm actually not writing hockey this season for <gasps> ESPN Plus. Wow. Because I'm focused on football. Like that's really why I told them like I just I really can't keep up with the hockey. I got to give 110% to football. I had a conversation with Sage Rosenfels, our friend the other night about all of our plans for this football season and I mean, I know everyone's excited about summer and the weather and everything else. I'm excited about football. So, and tomorrow, by the way, just to remind everybody, tomorrow I'll be in Cincinnati and then for the next three days broadcasting from Pro Football Focus offices in Cincinnati, which is going to be awesome. So we're going to have all the Pro Football Focus personalities previewing the season for you. So nothing says football quite like that. I know. Nothing says football quite like being there. This ESPN Plus article. Uh, wrote about the biggest storylines of this season, but they didn't go through it as in like, oh, will Tom Brady win again or something like that. What they went through it is kind of fill-in-the-blank style. So I thought we could kind of play along here, Danny. Okay. Um, The first question that they have is, last year, 2018, was defined by the NFL's offensive explosion. Remember, especially early in the season, Yeah, how insane that was. Or the even numbers. think back to the, the KC-LA Rams game. Just yes. that, that is going to go down as one of the uh, one of the more influential regular season games that we've ever seen. It was a shootout. It was magical. It was everything anyone ever wanted from a, from a Monday night football game. And that is essentially the 2018 season in a nutshell, I think. And you know, that, that always starts off a bunch of debates. And then, of course, the Super Bowl is low scoring. Yeah. So people are like, oh, see, defense still wins. And, you know, but offense is more exciting. 
I like that there's a very wide range of outcomes in the NFL. If you play great defense against the Los Angeles Rams offense in the Super Bowl with Bill Belichick, you could stop them and win the Super Bowl. But at the same time, there might be a primetime game where each team puts up in the 50s and 60s. I wouldn't want every game in the 50s and 60s, and I wouldn't want every game to be a defensive battle. But for sure, last year, there was way more offense than there has ever been in the NFL. They set all sorts of records, especially early in the year before things settled down. So uh, the question here is, Danny, 2019 will be the year of blank. So how will 2019 be defined if 2018 was defined by the league's offensive explosion? I think that 2019 will see the league come a little bit back. We'll see a bit of regression offensively because what have we seen historically? We've seen offenses try out new things and I think a great example of this is the read option back when Robert Griffin III his first year in Washington took the league by storm and then next thing you know everyone had caught up to it so I do think that this is going to be a a season where defenses will be able to fight back a little bit they're not going to slow down offenses back to what they once were but I don't think it'll be quite the explosion that it was last year so that's exactly what Mike Clay of ESPN wrote he called it the return to earth that the statistics will come back down and what's really interesting to follow along is all you have to look at is the quarterback rating from year to year to see where offense is and how teams are performing and uh, in 2017 the quarterback rating was around 86 for the league and last year it jumped up to somewhere in the range of 92 which by the way is Joe Montana's career quarterback rating yeah. so everybody in the league was playing the average quarterback was playing like Joe Montana basically and uh, then we know with Pat Mahomes putting up the insane numbers he put up. I wouldn't be surprised at all, and this is how the league, as you mentioned, has always worked, going back to West Coast offense where Bill Walsh cannot be stopped, and then they start putting in zone blitzes and things like that to mess up the underneath routes of the West Coast offense. Mm -hmm. And it's one of the great things about the history of football is that there's always this uh, offense gets ahead, defense has to catch up, and Mike Zimmer, I'm sure, has been spending his summer figuring out new ways to catch up to some of the creative things that offenses did. Um, but, you know, I guess I was thinking about this, Danny, from a little bit different perspective, not necessarily the is offense going to be crazy or not, but the bigger picture, what will it be defined by? I think it will be defined a little bit by changing of the quarterback guard. Okay. Uh, I, I mean, Tom Brady is still going to be good. And if you told me that Tom Brady won another Super Bowl this year, I would not be surprised at all. But I think that there's a little bit of, I'll use an NBA comparison for you, the Golden State Warriors are done with having the best team who runs over everybody. The right? dynasty is over. Exactly. And at some point, all dynasties come to an end. Correct. And I, I think when you look around the league at the number of really talented young quarterbacks and great offensive minds in the NFL, that we are going to have a, a bit of a turn from Tom Brady. And of course, you know, Peyton Manning retired a few years ago, and Ben Roethlisberger is at the end of his career. Drew Brees is at the end of his career. So I think that some of those guys are going to start to come back a little bit. And if you watch the second half of Drew Brees last year, you could say, sure, you know, he might fade a little bit this year. So I think the older quarterbacks are going to come back a little bit and the younger quarterbacks are going to start to emerge. So maybe Aaron Rodgers isn't quite as good as he once was. I, maybe I, Roethlisberger, maybe Breeze, and then instead it's Andrew Luck, it's Mahomes, et cetera, et cetera. I wanted to ask you, where do you think the cutoff there is? Like, who do you think is the the oldest quarterback on that that train of younger quarterbacks being able to take the league by storm? And on the the other end, who's the the youngest guy that's going to be faded out? Okay, it's a good question. Uh, so with Rodgers, he's to me, like, a tough one to figure out. Because... Yeah, I, I I kind of thought that's about where the line was. Yes, but he goes under older quarterbacks to me because he's, he's 36. 36, right. So he is the older, and, and I'm not saying that those quarterbacks are going to be terrible or mm -hmm. that Aaron Rodgers is going to be awful or anything else like that. What I'm saying is that I think these younger quarterbacks are going to catch up to them and emerge as sort of your next wave of the all-time greats who start to win the Super Bowls the way that Roethlisberger and the way that Rodgers 
Rodgers and the way that Brady uh, have dominated this league for a very long time. And in terms of who that next wave is, even though Andrew Luck has been around for a little while, to me he still goes into that category because quarterbacks are playing till they're 40 and he might be 27 or somewhere yeah. in that range. Baker Mayfield is the toughest one to figure out whether he's going to be that guy or not. And that draft class with Sam Darnold, uh, another guy that is tough to figure out too is Jared Goff. Is Jared Goff really in that conversation? Is he really just a system quarterback who's pretty accurate and can execute what he's asked to do by Sean McVay? But that's another part of the conversation that I think is kind of great, too, is that when you have these amazing offensive minds, they become paired with that quarterback. Yeah. So instead of just being, oh, it's Jared Goff who's running their franchise, it's, well, it's the Goff and McVay combination that has risen to the top. And I think that that creates a bunch of opportunities now for somebody to rise up and be that next Brady. I mean, not necessarily win six Super Bowls. Yeah, I don't think we'll see that again. I don't think there will be necessarily another Brady, but there will be another best, if that makes sense. Absolutely. And, and that's where, is it going to be Mahomes? Because after one, be. after one year, I mean, he's the odds-on favorite of being that next all-time great quarterback, and they always come along. You think, you know, oh, there will never be another Dan Marino, and then here's Tom Brady, and there will never be another Tom Brady, and here's Pat Mahomes. So if I'm ranking the – and that's what I think that we'll have in terms of what this year is defined by, is we'll have a much clearer picture of who the next wave of quarterbacks are in terms of that top three, the guys that win the Super Bowls over the next decade. And to me, Mahomes is number one. Andrew Luck is number two. I don't know what to do exactly with Russell Wilson. Uh, I think that he's talented enough to be there, but I'm not sure Seattle is going to remain good enough. So who's that number three spot? Is it going to be Baker Mayfield? And yes, you can be completely biased with this. It, it very well could be Baker Mayfield. There are a number of names that really intrigue me here. One of them is one of them is Baker. He's got a loaded offense in Cleveland. I don't think that there's any debating just how talented they are. We don't know how they're going to look on the field when September comes. Another interesting one is Carson Wentz, who's a guy that was looked at to be a potential MVP before he got hurt. The biggest question with him isn't necessarily how talented he is. It's can he stay on the field? because that's been the problem with him is that he's mm -hmm. he had the knee injury he's had the back injury you don't know how durable he's going to be so that's where my question lies there but I think one of those two guys very well could be that number three moving forward and and if not number three number two number one but in that group like it, it could shake out where those are going to be the three best QBs in the NFL moving forward and the order can be debated years down the road after we see more of what they have so a couple of other nominations here for what will 2019 be the year of, which I think is a really, it's just a really fun and good question. And two of the different analysts, Matt Bowen and uh, Jason Reed, who writes for The Undefeated, they both mention Kyler Murray as okay. it being a, a complete change of the quarterback position from the perspective of, like, being a shorter quarterback and also the running and playmaking quarterback and that's another thing that might define 2019 until we've always had running quarterbacks here or there. We've had Randall Cunningham. We've had Michael Vick. We've had Steve McNair to some extent, though, a great passer as well. Um, and it's always been like two, three guys. Yeah. And those are the guys you pick to play with on Madden because you can run with them and it's unstoppable. No one could stop the Falcons in Madden 04 with Mike Vick. He was the best player. I think you could make the case in modern video game history. He's the best player that we've had. Uh, if you don't count Bo Jackson Tech Mobile, then I'm, yes. I, I'm I'm thinking more modern, modern, yes, modern yeah. like post 2000, yes. like PlayStation 2 on. In fact, I really miss that. I really miss that there aren't any players on any video games. Like my parents bought me MLB The Show for mm -hmm. this year, and I was playing it a little bit, and it's fun game. But there isn't like a Barry Bonds character. It should be Mike like Trout. That, you know? Mike yeah. Trout should get a hit almost every single time in that game, and he doesn't. There's there's nobody. The games are much too realistic. Yeah, I, I don't like it. No, I, they need to have hacks like the Michael Vick running for a uh, touchdown almost every single time in Madden 04. Um, but the running quarterback, I mean, you just go through the NFL right now and count the number of running quarterbacks. And that doesn't mean they can't throw, but it means it's a big part of their game. And 
You got Josh Allen. You have Dak Prescott. I think Carson Wentz running is a part of his game. He's a running quarterback to some extent. I certainly it's, agree. It's the the health though comes into question yeah, is how sure. long can that last for him? And that's been a question with a lot of the running quarterbacks that yeah. we've seen. I mean, if you think back to RG three, how electric he was as a runner, his body couldn't keep up with it, and that's that's was his downfall ultimately. So there's a there was a study once done on this running quarterbacks versus. Uh, sort of pocket statue mm-hmm. quarterbacks and their injury rates were actually about the same because those statue quarterbacks, they don't get away from the pressure either. Yeah. So the running quarterbacks put themselves in danger one way, but the statue quarterbacks put themselves in danger another, but you have Mitch Trubisky, Cam Newton, um, Kyler Murray, uh, Russell Wilson. So you've got all these uh, Deshaun Watson and Mahomes is very capable of running too. Andrew Luck is very capable of running and Baker Mayfield is a great athlete, too. Roethlisberger has always been able to run. And Lamar Jackson, who is more of a pure running quarterback, yeah. you have more than half the league is able to, at least able to make a difference with their legs. And then there's seven to ten guys who are complete difference makers with their legs, capable of a big play at any time. I think that we are now in the era of the athlete quarterback that we have never been before and uh for video game players that is exciting but it's just it's exciting t- to me to have like this new layer of offensive weaponry that teams can use like a Deshaun Watson or a Lamar Jackson that can break out any time. I do feel bad for defenses having to combat this, but as a football fan, I think it's great. It makes the game more exciting. How often have we seen quarterbacks that just can't move in the past where if they're not throwing for the first down, they're not getting the first down. And that's not what it is in today's NFL. I think that's a great thing for the game. We get to see guys like everyone that you named. If it's third and three and their primary options not open, their secondary options not open their legs still work and that hasn't always been the case in the nfl i think it's great for the game i think it's great for the league and i i don't want to say i feel bad for defenses but it certainly makes it tougher on on defensive on defenses and defensive coaches in today's game and and that's one of the things that's even changing the way that we evaluate these quarterbacks because dak prescott is a really good example when you look at dak prescott's numbers if you look at just the throwing numbers and your traditional uh, fantasy stats. I'm talking and trying to call this up on my computer at the same time. We've all been there. But uh, you look at those, and it's decent. I mean, for his career, he's got a 96 quarterback rating, which is very solid, and he averages 7.4 yards attempt. That's pretty decent. 67 touchdowns, 25 picks. All, all point to NFL starting quarterback. But I think one of the big reasons that he's 32 and 16 as a starter is the fact that he's run so successfully. He's got 18 rushing touchdowns. So when you take, well, his average per year touchdowns passing is only like 22. Sure. But then you add six touchdowns more per year, and all of a sudden he's right up there with the better quarterbacks in the league in terms of how much he's producing. And he's producing 300 yards extra on the ground and a bunch of touchdowns too. And I think you have to take all of this into account. And in a little bit of a way, this is a knock on Kirk Cousins. If the league is turning toward these running quarterbacks who can add that extra dimension, well, now defenses don't have to prepare for that with Kirk Cousins. Though I would say I think he can be better at running the ball than he was last year. If only the Vikings had a quarterback that was athletic, that could create first downs with his legs. I mean, I think we've seen that before in Minnesota. I can't put a <laughs> finger on it. But if they had something like that, you wonder what their offense would look like, how much how much more valuable some of the re- receivers would even be because they, you wouldn't be able to dedicate yeah. quite as many people into pass coverage because that's another athlete that you have to worry about on the field. So you're obviously referring to Joe Webb is what you're saying. Yeah. I Former mean, how, playoff starting quarterback Joe Webb. What, what other direction <laughs> could that have been taken? <laughs> All right, let's take a break. Uh, this Going through this ESPN article with Danny of some of the biggest storylines, and uh, some of these are fill-in-the-blank style, which makes it pretty fun for us. So we'll take a quick break. We will come right back. And I've, I also want to ask, too, who is most deserving? Who has the argument for being the most deserving team to win a Super Bowl? I'm going to guess Danny's pick already. Uh, Mike. X Games Minneapolis returns to U.S. Bank Stadium August 1st through the 4th, featuring four days. 
of the world's best action sports music and festival experience. Don't miss the greatest action sports athletes on the planet and musical performances from Incubus, POS, the Wu-Tang Clan, and more. Tickets and more information at xgames.com slash tickets. All right, welcome back to Purple Daily. Matthew Collar and Danny Cunningham here on the show. Coming up in the next hour, a guy by the name of Mark Schofield, who is a great football analyst, has written about Kirk Cousins. He did a film piece on him that is very interesting, so we are going to discuss that uh, with Mark here later in the show. That's about 3.30. So running through this article on ESPN about the biggest questions of 2019 season, uh, Danny, before we get to the most deserving Super Bowl team, I want to just run through some of these kind of rapid-fire style. Okay. Uh, the, the next question, we talked about how 2019 will be defined uh, in the first segment. If you missed that, of course, always, you could podcast it, iTunes. There's an app that we have. Um, over under two-and-a-half career MVPs for Patrick Mahomes. So I'm going to go over here. He already has one. He's only played, what, two years in the NFL, essentially. So I think that he's got such a bright future that it's, it's, I think it's, I don't want to say probable, but I think it's certainly more than at least a 50 50 chance that he gets two more throughout the course of his career. I'll go over two and a half for his career. I think that's fair. I mean, it's almost like, Anytime you're betting a team to win 14 games or something, you're really going against the odds. Yeah. And you're really going against the odds here. I mean, I don't even know how many MVPs Peyton Manning won. Did Peyton Manning win more than two and a half MVPs? Did he? I think he probably won three. If you've got that there in front of you, tell me. But even the best quarterbacks of all time don't necessarily win the MVP all the time. So Peyton Manning won five NFL MVP Okay, awards. all right. Mm, yeah. Okay. Two and a half, I guess, then isn't super high for someone as good as Patrick Mahomes. And especially with the numbers that if the numbers he put up in his season that he just won the MVP are a, a what he's going are a look into the future of what he can do. It's hard to argue that there aren't more MVP awards in his future. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. That's a good point. I mean, I think that this year I wouldn't bet on 50 touchdowns and 5,000 yards. I would, no. I would bet on, you know, a regression there because you could never think that someone's going to go 50 touchdowns back to back years. But 45 or, or 40 and 4,500 yards, that yeah. seems very much within the realm of possibilities. And that's, you're in the MVP discussion with that. The fact that quarterbacks can play for so long now. Mm-hmm. And if Mahomes, what he's got to be like 23 years old or 24 years old. So if he, you're talking about 15 more years in the NFL, will he win two and a half for, or will he win two more than he has right now? I think I'm going to go with yes, he probably does. It really depends on whether you think it was some sort of RG3 type of crazy season or not. And I don't think at all that it was a pop-up season or that everyone will figure out Patrick Mahomes. We've seen from football history, if you have the accuracy combined with that type of arm strength and creativity and playmaking to go along with a great offensive mind in Andy Reid, who doesn't seem like he's stepping away from the game anytime soon, uh, that, that you could sustain this type of incredible level of play. And I, I think Patrick Mahomes will. I don't think he's just going to be a, a one-time flash-in-the-pan type of thing. You could maybe make the argument that some of the stuff that happened last year for him in Kansas City was the result of a perfect storm. But also, this guy's really talented. And that's not debatable, that he is one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. He doesn't turn 24 until September. So he's got a long time left in the league. I think it's... The more I think about it, the more I like taking the over two and a half career MVPs for Mahomes. Yeah, it's almost like you would have had you would have had to make the over under a little bit higher. Like I certainly have talked myself into the over more so than yeah. I was when the question was first asked. If, qu- the, if quarterbacks were retiring at age thirty two, like they used to sometimes in their or early like 30s, normal NFL players do, yes, then I wouldn't say the over, but the fact that he could probably play till he's forty, yeah, I'll go with that. Um, Who's going to be the best NFL defender three years from now? Best defensive player in the NFL three years from now? I'll go with Miles Garrett of the Cleveland Browns. Now, we don't know where he'll be three years from now. He could be in Cleveland. He could be elsewhere. But I think that he is a a game-changing, the next best pass rusher that we have. And that typically is the... 
the blueprint for being the best defender, or at least regarded as the best defender in the NFL, is someone that gets to the quarterback, that can stop the run, that can do all of that out of the defensive end spot, the pass rusher position. I think Miles Garrett's that next guy up in line there. So uh, most of the analysts on ESPN agreed with you. Three people said oh, Miles Garrett. That? Yeah, and uh, I'll go with that. That's fine. What about the best Minnesota Viking defensive player three years from now? Now that one is a little more interesting that's, because that's you a have good question. a lot of players who are up there in age. I mean, is Harrison Smith still going to play at this level in 2022? Uh, the obvious answer would probably be Daniil Hunter. Yeah. Um, but the sort of sneaky pick would be the first rounder, Mike Hughes, from last year that we haven't seen a whole lot of him, so I can't tell you right now whether he's a good player or not, but if you were laying down your bets, those are probably the two, but it really kind of tells you just how many older and veteran players there are on the Minnesota Vikings defense. I mean, Xavier Rhodes is into his uh, maybe final years of being a really good cornerback, if that's if you don't think that those years are already gone. I, I think he can bounce back, assuming that he's healthy, but that's always a big question for him. Uh, I don't know if Trey Waynes is even going to be here, and Harrison Smith will still, I think, be in the league, but maybe not be the number one or number two safety in the NFL. Yeah, that, that ends up being kind of a, a tough question because they haven't really spent a ton of draft capital on anyone except for Mike Hughes in terms of first-rounders, unless I'm missing someone more recent. But you know, they spent in 2017 on offense early with Delvin Cook and Pat Elfline, and then they spent this year on offense as well with the first four picks on the offensive side. So here's something that the other side of the coin here is, how many of these guys are going to be on the Vikings in three years? Like That's why the question isn't as difficult with who's going to be the best defender, because you can say Miles Garrett, he can be a great defender in Cleveland or any other franchise that he could be playing for in three years. Where if it's Viking-specific, I don't know how many of these guys are going to be around in three years, especially with the salary cap picture that they have and the age of a lot of these defenders. That There's a, a really good chance this defense looks incredibly different three years yeah. from now, and their best defender could be someone that's one in college right now or two on another team at the moment. Oh, it's, a, it's a really good point, and um, it speaks to the winning window for the Minnesota Vikings yeah. that we've talked a lot in the offseason about. And the reason that 2019 is such an amazingly fascinating year for the Vikings is just how many dominoes could fall one way or the other based on whether they make the playoffs or not. Uh, the next question from ESPN here, as we sort of go rapid fire through this article, it's at the center of the ESPN NFL page, if you want to see it. The biggest questions for 2018 that they're having all of their ESPN football experts answer these questions. So which rookie would you plant your flag on being a star for five-plus years? So which player from this year's draft would you say, you know what, I know this guy will be great. That's a really interesting question. I really do like Kyler Murray in Arizona. I like him a lot. I have my concerns about his size because we've seen quarterbacks that are his height, but I don't necessarily know how many quarterbacks we've seen that are his weight and his build. And that's something that does concern me. I don't know how healthy he'll be able to stay. I do like Kyler Murray a lot. I think he's got a ton of star potential. Nick Bosa should be really, really good. And I mean, you can just list off guys that went at the top of the draft and think, oh, they should be stars. Like Nick Bosa should be a perennial pro bowl, all pro type guy coming off the edge for the Niners. Uh, Quinion Williams. You can say the same thing about him in New York. But I'll go Kyler Murray. I think that that kid is going to be electric on the football field for the Cardinals. I, I really like him. I think he's got a ton of star potential. Okay, so I'm trying to go off the grid a little bit here because Kyler Murray's a good answer. And uh, sorry, but the obvious answer to this yeah, is... That's, you he was your, the number one overall right. pick. He should be the obvious answer there. Uh, playing your flag in, in the guy who is at the top of the draft. And he is somewhat you know uh, worth arguing over and whether he's going to be great or not um, because of his size. So it's a good point there. So looking down the draft a little bit here, if I wanted to go... Less less hot takey, but kind of, I really think this guy will be a good player, is Debo Samuel, a wide receiver okay. from the 49ers. Kyle Shanahan is there, great at designing offenses. I don't know if Jimmy G is going to be a great quarterback. I think he's a very good quarterback um, if he stays healthy. But I just really liked Debo Samuel in college, a great route runner, toughness, smarts, all those things. 
I'm going to go with him. And the other guy that I would put some money down on being a really good player is Garrett Bradbury for for the Vikings. Although that doesn't necessarily translate into being a star. No, no, not necessarily. But I, I wouldn't you, list an O lineman as a as my star for the it, draft. It, it's true, but if you're just planting your flag and this guy's going to be good for five years plus, Bradbury goes into kind of a, a rare class of centers who are drafted this high, mm-hmm. and usually they turn out to be some of the better centers in the NFL. That does not mean you're a star. It doesn't even necessarily mean it was right to draft him mm-hmm. uh, with a pick that high to take a center. But um, now behind the scenes. From some sources, Danny. Uh-oh. Sources. Sources tell I, Matthew Collar. I have heard some really good things about Garrett Bradbury. Good. And uh, I, I think that he's got a chance to be a, an excellent player. So maybe not a superstar that's on Madden cover. Though someday they should do that with linemen. Who, who's going to be the first lineman on the Madden cover? I know. I'm surprised. Have we had a, like a true no. pass rusher even? I don't know. I don't know. It's it's always like running backs, quarterbacks, and Peyton Hillis for some reason. Well, I mean, running back. Yeah, I mean, but he was the star running back at the time. Peyton and that was uh, I think that, that was, was that, that was, was more of a joke. Year, that was the first year that the fans voted for it. Yes, and that was when Facebook was a, a really big deal before they had kind of been taken over by <laughs> Russians. <laughs> <laughs> But the Cleveland fans, because I remember that I was in I was in high school or college at the time. I remember just droves of people voting for Peyton Hillis to be Peyton on the Madden Hillis. cover. It was unbelievable. But I, I'm surprised we haven't seen a, a pass rusher. No, Ray like, Lewis was on it. Yeah, but he was a, a middle linebacker. Right. wasn't necessarily thought of, and Brian Urlacher was too at one point, I believe. Yep. But I'm surprised J.J. Watt never made it on the cover. Someone like him. Yeah, they should go. That would change everything. Probably not. But they should go to only offensive linemen for the next five years. I, I don't know <laughs> that that would be good for, uh, good for selling. Disagree. I'm, well, you are probably in the minority of the, oh, I need to buy the new Madden because... Because uh, Lane Johnson is on the cover. <laughs> yes, right. exactly. That guy, him, his anchoring ability is unbelievable, guys. Watch on the Madden game. His kick step just... Whew. No one better. Always underrated if you had a great offensive line on Madden. Just saying that it, it was one of those things that you ignore, but um, it was very helpful on the video game. Yes. So now this is my question for you, Danny. This is not on the ESPN article, but the most deserving team to go and win a Super Bowl this year, the most deserving franchise, or if you want to extend this to a player, depending on if you if you think someone's been around for a long time and never won one and deserves it, what is the franchise if, let's say, Tom Brady falls off this year, he disappears, and uh, they have Brian Hoyer starting for the Patriots, so they're not going to win the Super Bowl, and someone else is going to win it, who would you say is the most deserving there are a few franchises that I think are very deserving. Some of them are going to be competitive this year, while others I don't necessarily view as contenders. Like I, I do think the Buffalo Bills are a deserving franchise. Are they any threat to win the Super Bowl this year? No. They have no chance. But they're a deserving franchise. I think Cleveland's very deserving, and yes, there's some bias there. I think Minnesota's deserving for having come so close and never never being able to finish the deal. Where Maybe Detroit's deserving. I don't think that they have any opportunity to do so in the near future, but they haven't done it. And I think that you can look at those teams that are deserving. The Cardinals have, the, I believe, the longest drought in professional sports in terms of since they've last won a title. I think 1947 was the year that they had that they won the NFL title or whatever it was back then, and they haven't won it since. But I'll go with the Browns, in in part because I'm from Cleveland. That's a fan base that has really stuck by that team. They went through a phase where they they tried to be really creative with Sashi Brown, and that it didn't work out or it did work out depending yeah, I was on how say, you I think it. it did I think it did work out I'm, I'm a little disappointed he didn't get to see it through although obviously John Dorsey I think has done some really great things with that franchise since taking over in December of 2017 but I'll go with the Browns and, and yes there's certainly some bias there I would love to see that happen well I mean they've been through so much and so many heartbreaks and and when you put those three teams up there Minnesota Buffalo and Cleveland they all have in common that they have just been through a lot. Now, where mm-hmm. Minnesota is different is that they have had 
a lot more franchise success overall, that they're the best team to not win. So if you're saying deserving, then the Vikings probably deserve it from that perspective, is that every decade they've been relevant, they've been good, they've been on the doorstep, and it's just never happened. Whereas the Bills have a really funny history of seven to ten years where they were a great franchise and never in any other place in their history, even when O.J. Simpson was the dominating running back, they really weren't that good of a team. And uh, Cleveland also has that same sort of argument as in the 80s and a little bit into the early 90s, they were a dominant and good team. And way, way, way back when they were were a great team with Chip Brown. They were the... The dream franchise yeah. way back then. They they won eight NFL titles and up until nineteen sixty four, they were the model NFL franchise. But they've just been a bus fire for so for my long entire life. That, yeah, exactly, exactly. For my entire life. So if you say deserving, well, you know they kind of tanked to build up this team, and I think that that was really smart. So if you're saying, well, we actually did something really smart to get there, then you're deserving. Now our. I think that those are kind of the obvious picks, but if there's an under-the-radar type of pick, I think it's probably the New York Jets. They haven't won anything since Joe Namath. They got to a couple AFC championships with Rex Ryan and Mark Sanchez. The Sanchez, man. The, yep, the Sanchez. And, uh, you know, grinding defense, running the football, that stuff got them to a few AFC championship I games. I really liked those Jets teams. They were fun. I loved yeah. the way that they played. And that was, obviously, the Browns were not very good. I wanted the Jets to win the Super Bowl a lot of those years. I loved those defenses. So if you're talking about, like, under the radar or not talked about quite as much for, like, tragic franchises, mm-hmm. the Jets have the name of things, so they're never considered in this conversation, but they absolutely belong there. They have as much lore of failure and frustration as the Bills and the Browns do in tragic moments, but it's just they don't end up getting pumped up because it's New York and because it's the, they had the one Super Bowl. Well, do you think they also don't get pumped up in, in part because it's New York and there's another team that's experienced not prolonged success since then, but they've had little pop-up spurts where they yep. go out and win a Super Bowl and then disappear for five years and yep. then win another Super Bowl and have disappeared since. Maybe that's part of the reason, too, that no one thinks about, oh, well, poor New York. They they haven't won in a long time. And it's New York. Like, boo-hoo. So I, I definitely think that that's a factor for why they don't get talked about a lot um, in terms of tragic franchises. The other under-the-radar tragic franchises, the Carol or, uh, well, no, is Carolina... No, not really. Not really. Carolina. They haven't been a- around long yeah. enough, I don't um, think. The Falcons, though. Sure. Especially after what happened a couple years ago where they blew that 28-3 to lead that everyone's going to remember for as long as they live, for the most part, if you're a football fan. You're not going to forget what happened that night. And they get into the Super Bowl against John Elway, and they had their safety, Eugene Robinson, get busted for messing around with a sex worker and then they threw a touchdown over him so that's sort of part of their lore as well and the other team that i think of is under uh, the radar tragic franchise is the los angeles chargers they move away from their fans they have no fans in los angeles they are consistently good they've had a great franchise quarterback for a really long time and they could just never get there they had dan fouts could never get over the top they had now, Philip Rivers for a long time. They had a kicker shank some very key kicks in playoff games that cost them their chance to win. So any of those teams, the under-the-radar tragic franchises, I think would be deserving of uh, winning a championship. Now, um, is there anyone this year, Danny, that you would absolutely despise winning the Super Bowl aside from the Patriots? Well, that's the easy and obvious answer because... Are you going to say Pittsburgh? No, I, I'm not going to say Pittsburgh. I don't think Pittsburgh's going to be quite good enough. I, no, I don't I, either. I think Ben Roethlisberger's best days are behind him. I think that that they're going to really miss Antonio Brown. I think that they're really going to miss Le'Veon Bell. Like Those things have kind of been understated because James Conner performed okay and Juju Smith-Schuster is thought of as someone who can be a number one wide receiver despite not having done it. Um, Pittsburgh's a kind of an easy answer too, but I just I don't think that they're necessarily good enough. Um, this is an interesting question because the Patriots are obviously the the easiest answer. Like everyone is sick and tired of them, yes. right? Uh-huh. No one wants to to see them repeat. So maybe I will go with Pittsburgh just because I, I think that Ben Roethlisberger's at the end of his career, and I I wouldn't like to see them rewarded for losing for losing talent. 
For me, it's probably a team that doesn't have a, a great chance at it, but Tampa Bay, when Tampa Bay won the Super Bowl in 2002, it was super deflating. Yeah. Like, okay, wow, Tampa Bay wins. Congratulations. And I'm just in the same vein of disliking Ben Roethlisberger, not a big fan of Jameis Winston either. Fair and enough. I, I do like Bruce Arians a lot, but I do not like Jameis Winston in any way, shape, or form. So I would hate if the Tampa Bay Bucks won the Super Bowl with Jameis Winston. Well, even aside from all of his off the issue off the field issues of which there are plenty, I just don't think he's that good of a quarterback. Yeah, he really like, hasn't been that good. Like no. even if you separate everything that a, a person does from what they do in terms of their profession, like if he were a really good quarterback, they might have a chance, but he's just he's not that good. Okay, let's take a quick break. We will be right back here and continue the conversation. Matthew Collar, Danny Cunningham. We've got another hour to go. In hour two, we'll talk to Mark Schofield, who did a great film piece about Kirk Cousins. And a reminder, the next three days, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, I'll be in Cincinnati from the PFF offices. So you will absolutely want to hear those shows. Being able to just hang out with some of the best analysts in football is going to be very, very fun radio i think so we'll take a break Two forty-five here at score north time for the score north download if you haven't been been paying attention easy for me to say it's been going pretty well this season for minnesota united they currently sit in fourth place in the western conference 32 points i believe right now just two points off of second place behind seattle been going well. They got a 1-0 win on Saturday over FC Dallas at home at Allianz Field. Great place to check out a sporting event. If you haven't been there yet, get there. Join me and Dan Terhar this Saturday night for Score North's coverage of Minnesota United and Real Salt Lake. Pre-game at 8.30 p.m. Kickoff at 9 right here on Score North on AM 1500, scorenorth.com, and the Score North mobile app. That's been the Score North download. Now back to Purple Daily. All right, one final segment with Danny Cunningham. Another hour to go, as always, here on Purple Daily. Two to four every single day. And if you can't be around for two to four over the air, then you can check us out on the podcast version. iTunes, wherever you get your podcasts, just type in Purple Daily here on Score North, and you will get football sent directly into your skull. It's amazing. We have an app, too. You can get it. The Score North app. Really? It's available on Apple devices, Android devices, and, Matthew, it's free. Okay, and here's something else. Scorenorth.com, while we're promoting literally everything we do, Wow. Uh, I'm going to have, coming up toward the end of the week and into next week to get you ready for training camp, a bunch of fun lists of the best storylines, fringe players who could make the roster, et cetera, et cetera. And, as always, a 53-man projection because you have to do... <laughs> I know, it's football, man. We're getting there. Uh, so I want you, Danny, in this final segment that we have together to help me prepare for the training camp because I'm starting to get into my hardcore research, getting ready to go. I want you to ask me obscure questions about Minnesota Vikings training camp for several minutes here before you take off. Okay, we're going to start with the obvious, and we're going to get more obscure as the interview goes on because that's essentially what this is. I'm now interviewing you, Matt. Okay, okay? yeah, I'm ready. So what's going to happen with the wide receiver three battle? That's what's on everyone's mind. Yeah, it is. In fact, uh, I won't blow my list here entirely, but that is the top storyline of 2019 camp is which receivers are going to be on the roster and is Laquan Treadwell going to have a role on this team? I'm guessing that Laquan Treadwell has a good camp and will probably be on this team, but I'm not certain about that. And for Gary Kubiak to come out and praise the heck out of Chad Beebe really shows you that they have legit interest. It's not like, oh, little white guy receiver running around. We all love him. I think they really like what Chad Beebe has shown them, and he has a chance to be that number three wide receiver. My guess is that it's going to be receivers three through five all have some role. So maybe it's Dylan Mitchell who they drafted in the seventh round. Maybe it's Beebe coming out of the slot when they want to mix it up. And maybe Laquan Treadwell does still have a role on this team. But there are some guys that are down, uh, like kind of off the radar to watch. Jordan Taylor, they brought him in from Denver. Uh, Brandon Zilstra, you know, was on the team last year, but only had one catch all season long. And I will give you the under-the-radar player, Davion Davis. Uh-oh. D- yes. 
in OTAs and minicamp, Davion Davis was an undrafted guy from Sam Houston State. He really stood out as kind of a a good route runner with excellent hands. That's without pads on, of course, but there's your under-the-radar wide receiver three potential. Okay, up next, we need to know about offensive line depth. We know they drafted Garrett Bradbury in the first round. We should know what the starting offensive line is going to look like, at least for the first five, but what is there after that? Yeah, good question. So... Brett Jones came back, and he's going to be the backup center slash interior offensive lineman slash mentor. He's really, really smart guy, and I think he's great for Garrett Bradbury to have around. Uh, but past that, there are going to be some battles here. Danny Isadora is a guy who, to me, is on the chopping block, potentially. They drafted Drew Samia. He's going to be really interesting to watch. He comes from Oklahoma. They've got that great program there with offensive linemen i think their entire line or four out of the five guys was drafted this year so that's that's really incredible uh, for them to have and then there's another guy who's intriguing is aviant collins oh who yeah i know that's I know. a name look how intrigued you are by aviant <laughs> collins how can you not be um but in all seriousness he is interesting because last year he had a very good camp and they were excited about his potential versatility as a tackle and guard. And then he got hurt and was out for the year. So he's come back and uh, in shape, ready to go for training camp. So he's going to be battling for a spot. And there's one other guy that they signed, Dakota Dozier, who um, was brought over from the Jets. Rick Dennison liked him, and we'll see if he has any shot. But there are going to be big-time battles for the backups, nothing for the real, the, the five starters. Like We know who they are right now. What about the backups on the defensive line? Losing Sheldon Richardson's a, a certainly a blow to what they were able to do defensively last year. What's the depth going to look like there? Yep, yep. Uh, so that is... Another one that is among the top fun storylines to watch because of what you mentioned with Sheldon Richardson being gone. And there's a guy who is your intriguing under the radar player that also was hurt last year and is coming back in Hercules Mata'afa. So he's, That's a name. I know. That, I know. That, that might be on, on the NFL's all name team. It's it has absolutely to be. the fact that he's named Hercules is the best. He better be strong. Um, but they tried him at DN, they tried him at linebacker last year before he got hurt, and I'm not sure that any of that would have worked. So now they've bumped him inside to interior defensive tackle, and he might be your new Tom Johnson, somebody who's not drafted and they just find and turns into a good player, or he might be absolutely nothing. Uh, Jalen Holmes, they drafted in the fourth round two years ago, and he barely saw the field last season. So can he make an impact there? And Jaleel Johnson is another guy who's kind of getting his his last shot here to win um, some playing time. He got into some games last year, didn't show a whole heck of a lot. He's somebody that they really liked his potential coming out of Iowa, and I think he's got a chance to prove himself. And one more guy under the radar to watch would be Afadi Adenabo, who, <laughs> yeah, I know, you love your names. Um, Afadi Adenabo was cut last year but showed a lot of potential in camp and then has been brought back as a defensive end. He was uh, moving between defensive end and defensive tackle, so he has a shot. Uh, it's really wide open on that interior past Shamar Seffin. All right, I've got two more for you. We know we've already talked offense. We've talked a little bit of defense, but a football guy like you knows that there's a third side of the football, and that's special teams. Yeah. Who's right. the X factor in, in the special teams game going <laughs> to be this year for the Vikings? Well, so you have no, uh, no more Marcus Sherrills. Yeah. And that really opens the door for a wide-open competition for the punt and kick returner. Now, they brought back Amir Abdullah. He was on the team last year, did some kick returning. But it's unclear whether he is going to be a punt returner or not. And I'll tell you, replacing Marcus Sherrills is not super easy. When it comes to yards per return, Marcus Sherrills was in the ballpark of Deion Sanders. It's pretty good. He was. He's one of the best to do it. He didn't have quite the touchdown numbers of someone like Devin Hester. But over the last decade, he's up there for the best punt returners. So not having him... The door is, I think, just wide open. I think they'll try lots of people. Your sort of intriguing name there might be Jeff Baddett, who is a wide receiver but runs like a 4 That's fast. Yep, he's insanely fast, and I think he'll have a chance to get the ball in his hands, punt returns. Might depend on how healthy Mike Hughes is. I know they want him to return punts, and we'll see if they give anybody else a chance. Somebody like Mike Boone or Rock Thomas might be kind of interesting there. But, uh, yeah, that, that race is going to be something to watch for sure. 
All right. At the risk of giving away your projections, I just want who is your 53rd man on the roster? 53rd man. That is a good question. So do you mean like the person that I would have haggled over the most of whether they're going to make the team or not? When, when they've got 54 guys and they've got to cut one more, who's mm. the guy that who are they debating between cutting and who's the guy that's staying? So, okay, this I can give you a good answer, but it's not an exciting answer, which is... Every answer is exciting, Matthew. That, I know, I know, I know. But uh, the linebacker position is a little bit crowded in terms of who's going to be that run stuffer, who's going to be the special teams guy, and Kentrell Brothers has been a really good special teams guy for a couple years for them, but they have two other players who... They've drafted fairly recently that I think could contend for that, and Devontae Downs and Cameron Smith. Cameron Smith is an intriguing linebacker from USC. So I think that uh, maybe Kentrell Brothers is that final cut. Could be. That's really not an exciting answer. Why don't I just say Laquan Treadwell? Okay, then you can say that too. That, that's a more exciting answer. But there's there's a lot of positions that are, and it's always deep in the weeds. That's what we're doing. You know, we are deep that, in the weeds camp. here. I mean, that's how camp works. Um. So, yeah, well, there will be a lot to get to as we get closer. We are not that far away now, Danny. I mean, we are... Um, Seven days? Yeah. Six days? Five yeah. days? Where are we at? Uh, let's see. So... Today's, today's the 16th? 16th. We are one week away, exactly, Woo! from rookies showing up, and we're a week and three days from... Um, the, the all the players. So you know how they a lot of times teams social media's teams will be posting uh, pictures of everyone walking in to check oh, in. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I want a picture of you walking in for the first time. I want I want you and I want all the other reporters. <laughs> Slow motion. Yes, I want I want that kind of content blessing my feeds. That's great. Uh, okay, all right. Well, uh, thank you for your time, Danny. This my was pleasure. Fun. Um, we are going to take a break and return another hour to go. A great uh, quarterback tape breakdown analysis interview coming up in about a half an hour. And of course, as always, the routes. They Whether it's Baker's Simple Truth Turkey or Mac and Cheese with Murray's English Cheddar or pie made with fresh Cosmic Crisp apples. There are many dishes we look forward to sharing during the holidays, and Baker's has all the fresh ingredients you need to turn today's holidays into tomorrow's memories. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone. This holiday season, Peloton's got a gift for you. Right now, get up to $200 off accessories with the purchase of a Peloton Shred. Accessories like non-slip grip resistance bands, a heart rate monitor, yoga blocks, and more. Take your workout to the next level with Peloton, motivation that moves you. Hurry, this limited time offer ends December 25th. Visit OnePeloton.com to learn more. All access memberships separate. Offer ends December 25th. Cannot be combined with other offers. See additional terms at OnePeloton.com.